You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Hello, everybody. Alan Seiler. What's up? And Veronica <laughs> Daschle. Hi. <laughs> You're so precious when you say that. I know. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and originally this week, we'd planned to spend the entire episode talking about the Lower Decks finale, but... Something pretty big in Star Trek happened this week. A little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Captain Kirk himself went to space. Yeah. Awesome. There you go. Did anybody watch? Oh, yeah. I watched later. Oh, Keith was all over it. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I watched it online, and it was cool because um, the, the feed I watched, uh, was I watched it on YouTube, and you could reverse it. So when Shatner got off, uh, I got off the, the vehicle and was talking to Bezos, I actually reversed it and watched it again and took some pictures and stuff like that. It was it was great. It was great. I, I watched it from probably an hour before launch. Yeah, I was in and out before the launch. But when it got time, I just left work and parked down the street at Walgreens in the parking lot and just watched it on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody would walk in my office and find me, interrupt me. Yeah, <laughs> I was nervous watching him go up, man. Me too. I kept waiting, like, please, please. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. Which I always want them to make it, but you know, I've been following William Shatner my entire life. <laughs> right. And what was really interesting about it, I think that, you know, as everybody knows, because there's, there's a million memes about it, the, 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 one of the most significant things was it was a 90 year old man who's now the oldest human being to ever go to space, mm-hmm. uh, just, in, just into space, what, 60, 70 miles above the surface of the earth. Yeah. That's considered it counts. space. It, yeah. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Dude, I would totally absolutely. count that. Oh, me too. And you, I mean, I think, and I, I, I know I, my understanding is the official definition of where space starts. The reason it's that 60 some odd miles is, is when you get high enough above the atmosphere so that the atmosphere is actually no longer blue when you don't have enough atmosphere left to diffuse the light. And I say this because Shatner made a point about that. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, when you get above the atmosphere so that the sky, the sky no longer looks blue, it truly looks black and the sun mm. truly looks white, which is what it is instead of yellow. And so that's why they went up that far. But I'm like you, Charles. I was, you just never know. I was, in, I was like, oh man, I hope this thing, you know, he says a whole thing doesn't blow up or something. Yeah, like oh, that. yeah, I had the same thought. Yeah, it's not and even then, about blowing up though. I mean, it's just the amount of G force that's yeah. the stress on the yes. 90 year old body. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was just afraid for him physically. Me too. And while I, I salute what he's doing, I'll be honest, I think we're a long way away from ever launching a vehicle that returns to Earth, fins down with rockets. And so it's nice, you know, I, I guess it's safer that they still use parachutes. But man, even with all those doggone parachutes, that thing still hits the ground. And Shatner also mentioned that. He's like, oh, the simulation didn't prepare you for that when they came back. <laughs> so you always worry about stuff like that, too. Yeah, I, I was I was more moved by it than I thought. And I thought, yeah. OK, William Shatner's going up. This is cool. But um, I think like most of us, every time I see a rocket, I'm moved. I don't care if there's a monkey on it. Uh, I just get moved. I, yeah, I, it's, just, it's it's amazing to me. And then, you know, Shatner was on there. Um, and I was even like some people, I was a little kind of sort of cynical. Not not a lot. It's not, no, not cynical. It's like, I kind of didn't care. There's a whole bunch of people who think it's horrible that rich and famous people are going to space. I don't feel that way, but I was a little indifferent. 
But then the more I thought about it and they kept focusing on I me, mean, this is what it's all about. You know, this is what Nichelle Nichols was doing. This is what Carl Sagan was doing. This is what um, Neil Grace Tyson does is you have to get people interested. Mm-hmm. And William Shatner, Captain Kirk got people interested. I think some people, not even Star Trek fans, got interested just because yep. it was him. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I was, I have been talking for a minute now, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing. Uh, people have criticized, you know, rightly or wrongly, people have yeah. criticized uh, these select few who have elected to spend their massive amount of money on building a rocket to go to space right. rather than, you know, helping people here on earth or whatever. Um, but if people with that much money don't build rockets to go to space, who's going to do it? No mm-hmm. one. Right. I mean, that, I mean, you have to have lots and lots and lots of money to make this happen. Yeah. Agreed. I'm a big supporter of commercial space flight and the democratization mm-hmm. of the space program. And to point out, I mean, since the shuttle program was shelved, the United States has not had the capability of launching a person into orbit. And because yeah. of these companies, we do now. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. But on top of that, I mean, the first rides on airplanes were expensive and were right. for the wealthy. You know, I mean, that over time, that it, it becomes cheaper the more you do it. Right. Yeah. So you right. need to get people with all the money to to get it started and to do the final frontier stuff. Um, well, some of it um, and get, get, get it going. So the price can drop down. And a point that they kept making on the webcast um, from the blue origin mm-hmm. folks was that, you know, up to now it's been, you know, aviators and engineers and scientists mm-hmm. that go into space, but they want right. to send poets and writers and musicians and, you right know, and ordinary people. And I think politicians, I don't think it could hurt. It certainly could. <laughs> Some of them will yeah. come back. Right. <laughs> wow. But no, I got I got very emotional watching this as well. And um, particularly watching Shatner emerge and just the difference between sort of what seemed to be his takeaway and then yes. everyone around him. But he yeah. seemed yes. to be visibly moved yeah. by the experience. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. He he came off and he walked down the you know, he walked down a little um, stairs gingerly. And then you're right, Charles. He just he literally was just staring off in the distance. Mm-hmm. And everybody else was like, oh, and then the champagne and stuff. And yeah. he was just staring at you could tell he had a true epiphany. Yeah. It was it was awesome. Uh, there was a point when Bezos got on my nerves when Shatner was in the midst <laughs> yeah. of explaining. Bezos turned away from him mid-sentence to get some yes. champagne so he could right. you know frat boy it around like would you go back to what shatner was saying <laughs> unfortunately right. he did and they had a very tender moment after that and i know absolutely it's, it's energy is high you know it's mm-hmm. um, right. everyone's very excited and everyone's adrenaline's pumping mm-hmm. they this this whole thing they they had the sheer indignity to schedule this thing while i was at work and i was not able to watch <laughs> it live uh-huh. and and i will forever be against them for this I'll never forgive them. <laughs> but, um, so watching it um, after the fact wasn't, you know, I mean, because I had heard all people talk about it and have their reactions to it. So by the time I saw it, it, it was certainly moving, but it, you know, it didn't quite affect me as much as if I had right. been able to watch it happen live. So mm. thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you didn't have the uh, the anticipation of waiting to make sure he was going to make, at least you knew. Very right? true. You know? <laughs> Very true. You watch it relaxed. I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Wow. Same here. I thought it was wild because Shatner has said many times in many interviews he was he was scared and, and mm-hmm. you know and, and understandable. Sure. Yeah, he was scared. And then when he, he and then like you said, also he's ninety years old. So even just a few G forces again, even that bump of a landing, you're worried that he's going to be okay. And then uh, it was good to see that he was good. He was okay. And then uh, yeah, he said some really really powerful words. Like he even talked about. 
when you left the blue and saw the black. And he was mm. like, and he said something like it was almost like dying. You're going from life to death. And then, mm. wow. you know, he talked, yeah, he talked about what so many people talk about. Yeah, you know, there's always this analogy if you take an apple and you peel it. And if the apple represents the earth, the thickness of the skin of the apple can represent the earth's atmosphere, mm-hmm. how thin it is. And he talked about that. It's like this guy who's played, a, who's been associated with a science fiction space show for five decades, he really saw it for the first time. I know. And he was like, wow. And you could, he just went over and over. I didn't realize. I mean, he talked about how fragile and thin that atmosphere was and how amazing it was. I thought that was just, it was so moving to see that. I'm so thrilled that he had this experience. Me too. Me too. Yeah. You know, I mean, to have played that character, and it's not even about the, the Star Trek angle, other than to have played a character who has been in space. Right. Mm-hmm. And been associated with that for your entire life. And then to actually see it with your own eyes. That is just amazing. And he's been doing interviews already today, talking mm-hmm. about his experience and the importance mm-hmm. of you know protecting the atmosphere, because what separates us what, yeah. what we have to, is so thin. And, and yeah. it, but I mean, he's, he gets the, the media attention because of playing Captain Kirk. You know, it's, yeah, it's not that dissimilar from when Nichelle Nichols was an ambassador for NASA, you know, absolutely right. Absolutely. I mean, using that fame um, to get the message out. And I think that's great. And I, I loved his description of leaving the atmosphere and the blue of the sky is sort of snatched away like a sheet from your face. And then it's <laughs> just that sudden and all of a sudden it's black. I would love to experience that sometime because I, yeah. I, I can imagine it. But unless you see it, yeah. you know, you just can't grasp that. And I oh, would yeah. love to see that. The closest thing I've heard, and I, I unfortunately did not take the advantage of, is my brother and his, um, my brother and his husband drove to Montana when the most recent solar eclipse passed across the United States. Mm. And my brother, my older brother, is responsible for my love of science and science fiction. But he was like, "Well, I hope this is worth it." And I could go, oh, "Dude, dude, dude!" And he called me after it happened, and he could barely speak. Mm. And that's yeah. the closest you could get. He's like, oh my, oh my God. He just kept saying it. Oh my God. And that's the way Shatner was acting too. Yeah. If y'all were permitted, because I know I'm talking a lot, but I, one of the things that we always talk about on Earth and things like Star Trek, and Charles, you mentioned it earlier, there's this whole conversation about is space worth it? You know, yeah. is it is it worth it practically? And there's there's things you can always I sometimes don't like to give practical reasons for doing things I think should be done. You can talk about so much that's come from the space program, ceramic materials, um, uh, laser eye surgery comes from the space program because they they develop a laser guidance system to allow ships to dock with space stations. And that laser aligning system, it was then adapted for eye surgery on Earth. Microwave oven. Yeah, Velcro. Mm-hmm. Mic- microwave ovens were perfected because of space travel. Heck, Tang, if anybody old enough to remember that old joke. <laughs> but I, I, so I thought we were talking about-, about the good things that came from this. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. You can, t- you can talk about the practical things. And um, I think that at the end of the day, and it sounds like what Star Trek said, at the end of the day, you always have money that needs to be spent on Earth. And being a black person, I've heard a lot of black people say, why do you waste money going to space when there's so many black people starving on Earth? But one of the things Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek always said was, what's going to differentiate us from the animals if all we do is just eat, procreate, and spread around the Earth? There's a reason I think we have brains and maybe souls, and that's to explore the cosmos and the dream. I think that makes us human. I think that's the best of what is human. So going to space, even if it weren't practical in terms of results it will yield, which I think it always will, I think it's what we are. Yeah. Otherwise, what are we just mm-hmm. two-legged, two-legged animals that are destroying the planet? 
And I think that it feeds what we are. It feeds our imagination. It feeds our soul. And I think that's what Shatner felt when he came back. I completely agree. I think for the entirety of human history, it is, you know, you always want to explore. You always want to know what's the next step, whether that be over the next uh, hill or the Mm -hmm. next mountain ridge or, you know, under the ocean or outside of our own atmosphere. You know, and you have that drive to learn. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree that that is what makes us human. Absolutely. Wonderful experience. On that note, (laughs) unless anyone had any more comments about that. Keith, did you have any uh, This Week in Trek for us this week? Uh, Yeah, actually, I'm going to also keep it short because we have other stuff to talk about. Really, it was a thin week also. There's just a couple of things that I, I thought were kind of significant. On October 11th, 1966, was the first day of filming of the Menagerie? Wow! Oh, well, yeah! Oh, yeah! Wow! <laughs> yeah! No, you said yeah. the Menagerie, and I thought the cage, and I was going to correct you. Then I, then I, I realized right, right. what you said, and so I didn't. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, that caught me for a second as well, and I'm like, what? exactly right. You don't usually commemorate the Menagerie because it's like in the middle of a season. <laughs> no, right? Isn't exactly. that weird? Literally one of the, I still think one of the most interesting Star Trek episodes, I still have a whole lot of problems with what Spock did, but that's a whole nother thing. And I will tell you years later, when they talked about, um, when, when when there was the other episode, the Naked Time, when, when Chekhov asked Spock if there ever been a, a record of mutiny on the starship, and Spock said never, I kind of thought, well, no, Spock, you did, but it's a, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Good episode. Um, another one, this this is the one that goes in our, we got to talk about this one time for bad episodes. Um, and I can't remember because I didn't have time to look it up, but just um, if you remember, it's the chanting and the children, hail the angel, uh... hail the angel. Yes. You know the episode, right? Every menagerie, you've got the children shall leave. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> October 11th, 1968. It almost could qualify as a horror show, too, because it's so yeah. bad. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And the last thing that I actually have a significance for this week is on October 15th, 1924, one Mark Leonard was born. Hey. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, as everybody knows, of course, the Romulan commander in Balance of Terror, and then, of course, most famous as Fox Father. Um, well, what more can you say? Great actor, great legacy. And it's funny, he's only like seven years older than Nimoy. I'm mm-hmm. surprised by that every time I learn it. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, a good I, know, point. That's, I forgot that. He's not that's that much so older, but he plays it so well. I believe he's his father. Exactly. Holy, I didn't know they were that close in age. Yeah. What wow. was Nimoy yeah. born in like 31, something like that? Yeah, that's well, a good point because Shatner's 90. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, so my gosh, you're right. Interesting. Well, that's it for track news this week. All right, then we'll take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. And then when we come back, we'll get into our discussion of the news out of New York Comic Con. So stay right there. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I would say that E3 maybe isn't the event that it once was, but everybody still plans their event around the E3 schedule. Steven Spielberg could throw out a gum commercial and we'd all watch it because it's Steven Spielberg. Dragon Age 4 is carrying, I think, the future of Bioware on its shoulders. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and right here on the ESO Network. All 
All right. So yeah, this week I was New York Comic Con and we actually got a lot of Prodigy and Discovery information. Absolutely. Some pretty surprising things, actually. Yeah, we got like a whole new uh, casting announcements for mm-hmm. um, for Prodigy. And, you know, we've had a lot of Prodigy information uh, up through now right. with our main cast, with uh, Kate Mulgrew. And we knew that there were going to be other characters because early on there were uh, sort of like character notes for mm-hmm. uh, other things that hadn't been announced yet. Right. And we knew that they were Star- Starfleet characters. And so what we what we learned uh, maybe a month ago uh, is that and thanks to Robert Beltran, who opened his big yap at a convention <laughs> or something, um, is that Chakotay will be leading this. He's the captain of this Starfleet team. Yeah. So that was officially confirmed this past uh, at, at Comic-Con. So Robert Beltran will be playing Chakotay once again. Captain Chakotay. Captain Chakotay. I'm pretty excited about that. He got back in good that. with the Federation. Exactly. Because he was mucky, and oh, yeah. we, they never said what happened to all the mucky crew. Right. Yeah. So right. He uh, made it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about Chakotay several times that when, when they gave him good material, he was great. And then when they didn't, he wasn't. So hopefully they're going to, I mean, they're going to spotlight him and give him some good stuff and let him. I uh, expect that this will be good stuff. I think so too. Uh, he, he would not walk back in. Yeah. yeah. If, if there was not going to be a guarantee of make this good material. Mm-hmm. Alan, did they say what kind of ship and stuff? Cause I am actually. Oh no. Yet. Okay. They didn't Nothing say much like that. Anything. No. Okay. Nothing Got like it. that. I was kind of surprised because I, um, to you, what you guys were just saying, I really like Chakotay. The more I've re my, my most recent Voyager rewatch. I like the possibilities that Chakotay had that never got fulfilled in the show. Um, I think the fact he's a Maquis makes sense because Chakotay has a hard edge to him that I wish I could have seen more. I am surprised Belgian's back because by the end of that series, he was pretty much pissed at all the people running the show and they were pretty much sick of him. Um, I know that Berman and uh, Rick Berman, especially didn't like Beltran after probably the first two or three years, they felt he was unprofessional and they felt his attitude of not liking the show shown through. Mm-hmm. Beltran, by the same token, felt that they were doing too much silly stuff. And I think when Seven and Nine came on board, he was he was just frustrated. So I'm kind of surprised he came back, but I'm happy he came back. And, and to your point, which you just said, Alan, that says something about what he must feel about the future of track that he came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how good this series is going to be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, they wouldn't go through the trouble of animating Chakotay if they weren't going to give him. They're not, not going to animate him and have him sit over in this chair and say, I captain, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. They have to create a Chakotay for the show. They're going to give him something to do. Right. Yeah. It's Precisely. not going to be a plate, right? It's not going to be a talking yeah. plate, but also but voice acting. I mean, he, <laughs> talking plate. I like that talking plate. Actually. They should have a talking Chakotay plate in it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, when you're a, a live action show and you have nothing to do, you still have to sit there because you're right. in the shot. Yeah. But yeah. at least for an animated right. show, you do your lines, you, you do your lines and, and you go. Home. Yeah. Yep. Or you might already be at home these days. (laughs) That's that's absolutely true. (laughs) Also, also Beltran is a Beltran is a Shakespeare. He is a lover of Shakespeare. He teaches Mm -hmm. Shakespeare. And I was just listening to um, the Delta, the Delta Flyers podcast with um, Robert Duncan McNeil and Garrett Wong. And they talked about they're like, if all Belgian could do all day long was was teach and act Shakespeare, he'd do it. So to your point, doing an uh, an audio thing, I think that kind of you know feeds into. Shakespearean actor 
because he can use his voice so much to do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I think he's looking forward to that. that okay, that's good. And I'm really looking forward to that. I was excited about that, Alan. I actually didn't know this until you guys posted about it. Mm. Well, we didn't either until right before that. So. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we posted it when we found out. Mere moments. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in addition to uh, Beltran, mm -hmm. we also found out that we have uh, David Diggs. Yeah. Um, he, he will be playing Commander... Tysus, Tysus, don't know. That sounds um, right. Jason Alexander, who will be playing Doctor Noom, mm -hmm. and I'm so excited that Jamila Jamil, who played Tahani in The Good Place, my favorite character on that show, is going to be uh, Ensign Asensia. I'm so excited that she's on this show. I love her. I love all three of these. I, I, yeah. I'm excited for all three of them, to be honest. It sounds yes. like a great crew already. It, I'm it telling does. you. It's interesting that most of the, uh, you know, the main cast are the the sort of younger teenage uh, characters. And, it, and it's interesting that most of those actors are not like well-known household name kind of things. So younger, less experienced actors are playing the younger, less experienced characters. Mm -hmm. And then you get the Starfleet people and their names that people recognize and have a career and, and are a, a little bit more seasoned. I, I think that's a neat choice. Yeah, huh, good point. Good, good observation. Yeah. And we don't know enough about the story yet to know what they have to do with anything just yet. Right. I mean, we can sort of speculate that maybe it's like a mission into the into the Delta Quadrant, you know, which right. would make sense for Chakotay. He's got the experience. Reclaim the ship that Could they be. lost. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, you know, we've got these teenagers who have found this, this uh, I'm guessing, experimental ship. You've got this mining dude who is like the evil character who wants that ship yeah. and now we've got starfleet who presumably are there to try and reclaim that ship right there's a lot going on in this show yeah and i'm but i'm <laughs> thrilled that it sounds like it's real chakotay it's not uh -huh. like i i'd kind of been afraid that it would be like janeway who said and now hollow chakotay will teach <laughs> now I'm you i'm gonna about... turn you over to <laughs> right and then you just have any characters pop up which sort of cheapens the whole thing i think i, I agree um but with this whole announcement, we also got a clip of the, you know, a, a, an actual, not a trailer, but an actual show clip focusing mainly on the hologram of uh, Janeway mm -hmm. and her kind of first meeting with this crew. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited about, Me too. about where the show is going. I think it's going to be really great. And I don't know if you've watched the ready room yet this week for lower decks, but the, no, the little clip, they have a little clip at the end from prodigy. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I won't spoil it now. Okay. But nice. it's, it's, it's adorable. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. So in addition to prodigy news, we got the, the trailer for star Trek discovery season four. Oh boy. Did we? Heck yeah, man. Looks like epic things happening. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you, <laughs> you can't have a, a, a Star Trek show that is serialized and one season, you know, story right. and it not be epic. You think it'd be like, I just saved the universe last year. How's exactly. it in trouble again? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what our puppet shows say. That's not what Star Trek says. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, like, um, there, Doctor Who has been big in the news lately because Russell T. Davies, who ran the revived show for the first four and a half seasons, is returning as a sort of de facto showrunner. Um, and uh, during his first four seasons, you kind of ran into that problem of mm -hmm. every season 
and every finale particularly had to be bigger. The stakes had to yep. be greater. It had to threaten the universe even more than it did last year. And it's, right. it just gets exhausting after a while. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's like, it's like epic fatigue. Yeah. 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 Like that's we've true. never faced that. anything like this before. Right. And like, the stakes right. get so literally big. the same thing they said last year. Right. Literally. The stakes get so big that it just doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. Right. right. You know, because yeah. it doesn't feel personal. It doesn't feel realistic. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they're going to be able to do this in a way that sort of like, you know, can connect. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I'm yeah. And I'm, I am pleased though, that it's, it does still seem like they're, investigating a strange scientific thing going on this strange yeah. anomaly this gravity anomaly yeah uh, and i'm it's hoping not some big random bad guy yeah it won't be like a evil army on the other side or something i'm hoping it'll be <laughs> something <interesting. laughs> well but like, last year we had a big anomaly too it just yeah. ended up being you know one kelpian who was sad and and wanted his mommy or i, I like that though i think that's more interesting than it being a big enemy weapon they have to blow up yeah I mean, it's a scientific anomaly, regardless, because it's it happened. Well, it, it, well, yeah, that that only happened because of how he was affected by the stuff on the planet and yeah. whatnot. So technically, it's a scientific right. anomaly and not a big bad guy. True. Yeah. And I'm not as worried now that now that we've had season three, I'm not as worried that they'll get to the middle and it'll be Michael Burnham. <laughs> I think they've got past that. Place. Right. Right. I think so, too. They, they did us a big fake out last year by calling their big anomaly the burn. I know. Which yep. just makes you say it's got uh, to be Burnham. Don't do it. But they're like, psych. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good on them. Yeah. Uh, but we got some uh, some interesting things out of the panel as well. They, and I think the the character's name is Rillick. Am I remembering that right, Veronica? They said that Rillick is the the character who is the we've seen in the trailers. She's part Cardassian, part human and part Bajoran. They confirmed yeah. that in the panel as well. And that she's the yeah. Federation president, which I think is interesting. I think that's a great way to use that time jump by mixing things up. You know, you can oh, very, have a character with Cardassian heritage. Who's the president of the Federation. You know, you gold, gold would be not happy about this, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I think it's interesting to have somebody who is in that position that represents that cross section mm-hmm. of species. You know, it's yeah. not just a human. It's not just a, a Vulcan or whatever. It's something that represents sort of a coming together. Yeah, of these things. And I think that's I think it's a wonderful concept. I think so, too. I'm really interested to find out what percentage is what, because obviously it can't be an equal one third, because I don't I don't know if like Bajoran and uh, Cardassians have some different kind of mating ritual. But from (laughs) what I've observed, it's it's still I didn't know it was going to be that kind of podcast. Some not like. It can't be a third, so there yeah, has maybe to be they all one came of them across this space virus and things got a little crazy. Oh, uh, so you're talking a two big thing, huh? No, we're never talking no. about that. <laughs> we will be soon. Or congenitor. Um, I, I think she looks really good too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the the makeup is really cool in that it's so subtle but represents all of those things. Yeah, I think I think so it too. looks really cool. And they, they seem to be talking about her in the panel. They all seem to really like her. Like she just fit right in with the group. So it sounds like she's in quite a few episodes and everyone likes her. So uh, I'm excited that's to cool. see it. Very Hooray. cool. Yeah. Now we're going to ask the Ferengi that's not a Ferengi. What? Why <laughs> is the Ferengi a, not a Ferengi? Veronica that sounds like a joke about setup. this. No, because it's not. He has a little pointy things on the bottom and Ferengi have round ears. I don't care. <laughs> it's no, been a thousand do- years. Yes. Which is why it's not a purebred Ferengi. 
because they've already established that that, that, that they've mixed races. So that is not a Ferengi. It is a Maybe. mixture of multiple races. There's no way that is a Ferengi. He can't do umoks on those little pointy, wiggly, dangly things. <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it a Ferulcan? Sure. Could be. A Feromulan? <laughs> a Feromulan. <laughs> no, to me, that Ferengi, the difference in makeup between the classic Ferengi and the Ferengi we saw in the Discovery trailer is about the same as the Star Trek Six Klingons and the Next Generation Klingons. Yeah, which has I think so too. Very distinctly different makeup and costume and hairstyling. Mm-hmm. And, those, and Star Trek Six came out while Next Gen was on the air. Yeah, you go to the mm-hmm. movies and the Klingons look different. Yeah, exactly. By the time you get home, you watch it. The yeah. Klingons look different on TV. By you the know? time you right. get home. <laughs> uh, so I, this, they've always done that with Star Trek. So but I'm not tell that you worried what, about him. That Ferengi has caused an uproar. Oh, yeah. Yes. Holy smokes. Not yeah. just with Veronica. No. Nope. <laughs> I mean, people are up in arms. Or should oh, yeah. I say up in earlobes over this guy? Oh, is that what that's all about? Yep. I actually, I actually, I, here's the thing to you. I literally haven't seen any of the trailers. That oh, that's discussing. right. You don't do trailers. I forgot. Oh. No, I, I do, but I just haven't this week because I've been, I've been working a lot. And so I, I didn't get a chance to watch them. I was going to try last night and end up working late. And so I figured I'd just get caught up what you guys were saying, but I did notice a couple of, uh, there was a couple of like, no, a couple, there were several smarmy jokes flying around my Facebook feeds and stuff about a Ferengi, and I honestly didn't know what it was about. So now I'm understanding what that's all about. To your point, <laughs> yeah, there was, man, there was some vitriol about this Ferengi yeah. from There's a just, lot of people. Yeah, it's just one shot of a Ferengi in okay. a Starfleet uniform. Very, and, very brief. And the makeup wow. has been altered. That's all it is. A bit. But I, it still I mean, looks like a Ferengi. Exactly. It, it, other than the bottom section of the ears, <laughs> I can, ha- I can I handle it. any other little changes. Maybe that's not what Ferengi looked like. Maybe it's just this one guy. Maybe he did like body alterations because he wants to look badass. Maybe. Maybe. But Veronica, maybe then they get maybe they get rid of the Umox joke, which some people no, didn't like. No, <laughs> you must have Umox. Yes. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> All right. Was there anything else out of New York Comic Con that we wanted to talk about before we move on? Mm, I don't think so. I think the family is adorable on Discovery. That's true. Oh, yeah. That's true. They're adorable because they were like becoming yeah. a family before they realized they were becoming family like yeah. mm-hmm. on the set. So yeah. they're adorable together. Yeah, they are. That is true. That's true. One quick question I have in light of all the news we talked about with new series and stuff like that. Are all the Star Trek series pretty much put to bed? Because as we record this, there's a possible strike coming in Hollywood next week. Well, would no. that affect any of the shows? I mean, they're all probably Picard is, Picard is still very active. Yeah. Uh, Picard is filming right. um, season three uh, right now. Strange New Worlds just wrapped like like wrapped like, wrap like a week ago. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so they're, they're all editing and I'm sure they're still editing Discovery. So who knows right. if, yeah. if the strike happens, it, it may we we may have plenty so, of time to discuss legacy Star Trek Star Trek. Several thousand. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> I'm a little bit uh, behind on the strike. So what what wait, is this a writer strike? Is it a, like overall Hollywood strike? Uh, it's like the the guild for the folk, like the yes, the okay, people. I, I yeah for the, the what? Yes. What? You don't okay, okay, okay. They, it's the like the crew. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that covers well, Veronica. That actually, that actually covers people such as craft services. Yeah. Even yeah. that, that covers yeah. all those people. people that it's the below yeah. the line people, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Is, uh, yeah. uh, wait, wait, wait. Is it the lower decks? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, look at me working in a relevant joke. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but it covers all those people who do a lot of the practical work so that mm-hmm. other people can, you know, work and stay on set for 15 hours a day and stuff like that. And I'm hearing it could be thousands and thousands if they strike. So uh, that would Monday. include animators and editors and uh, basically that would like halt production the people more you than need. writers yeah, would. To finish the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah, people help people like even if they're not the set designers, I mean, somebody's got to bring the stuff in for the set designers to use that kind of stuff. Teamsters and stuff like that could be affected. So I was I was just curious what track shows might be affected if they strike on Monday, because it's it's a it's a very good possibility they do strike Monday. I can't. We don't know. If that were to happen, then most likely post-production on the second half of Discovery season would be affected Mm. in some way. We don't know how much of that stuff has been done. But, you know, there's got to be, you know, effects shots and, you know, scores not recorded yet, you know, for the, you know, the last few episodes of the season, right. one would assume. And mm-hmm. then um, Picard is in active production. Mm-hmm. So they, they're shooting currently. So that would have to stop. And then um, with um, Strange New Worlds having just wrapped filming uh, post, pretty much all of post work would, would be halted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it, it would that. be, it would be, of course. And then the other thing is, how long would the strike last? It may yeah. be a couple of days. You never know. Yeah. Right. You and, never know. So, yeah. And we don't know how far along and how many episodes they have done for each right. show. You know, they, they, exactly. could, they could have months worth already ready and ready to rock and roll. Good yep. point. Last time we had a strike, we got shades of gray. I was just curious. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> 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 oh, let's not go back to them days. No, no, that's yeah. dark times, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll take a quick break for a special message from the ESO Network, and then when we come back, we'll be discussing the season finale of Lower Deck. So stay right there. Welcome to Doctor Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. All right, so the season finale of the second season of Lower Decks, first wow. first contact. Yeah, just wow. First first contact, which I love because yes. the first yes. episode of the series was second contact. Mm-hmm. Now oh, they're good. progressing. Yep. Good point. Oh yeah, my gosh. About that. I always wow. love the titles. First, first contact too. is just a great title. <laughs> I do too. too. Yeah, they, that's one of the beauties of this show. They're yeah. so good with their titles. And I have to say that I was very surprised by what this episode was. Mm-hmm. I was expecting pew pew and pack leads and other boy so was i i was expecting pack leads. i was expecting the titan to come back yeah klingons me too i've i've been i've said many times we're definitely going to get the titan again we're going to get mm-hmm. other boimler again didn't get any of that nope yeah but you we know what we did get what we get sonya yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay so this season like there's three big things that i was looking for from this season one was 
the return of Sonia Gomez. Okay. And we'll talk more about that. Um, one was Cetacean Ops. Yep. We yeah. finally oh get my it. Gosh. Oh and boy. one was a cliffhanger ending. So like you really could have ep- just waited till this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, they, they just totally like delivered a present to me. Yeah, they did. Holy smokes. What a good, good episode. It really was. And it's, it's just a, it was just a Star Trek episode. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it, there was references. There were it, a few. It wasn't yep. incredibly zany and it wasn't Mm-mm. over the top. I mean, it was, I mean, you could just, just about do this episode on any of the other Star Trek shows. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what I've loved about this season. Yeah. They've done a lot more of that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, to your point, you guys point, the show caught me off guard. Cause I was thinking we kept talking about, is there going to be some huge galaxy spanning thing or the, that we all talked about was the Klingon really the guy behind the packlets was the Titan kind of come back. And when it first started showing off coming off, um, when it first started showing Captain Gomez, I thought, huh, what if they're going to go all the way and this is going to be a low-key show? And then, you know, I've said from day one that Mariner gets on my nerves sometimes with her behavior. <laughs> so, because, I mean, sometimes she goes a little bit over the top for me. I don't care mm-hmm. if it's her mom. I know it's a comedy. But sometimes I'm thinking, you just couldn't act like this on a starship. So when she basically spilled the beans about her mom getting um, moved to transfer to a better ship, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, this is the Mariner I can't stand again. She's really getting on my nerves. So five, six minutes in, I'm thinking, is it going to be a show where it's going to kind of get on my nerves? And five minutes later, I'm like, holy crap. Holy crap. They did it again. 28 minute show and all that stuff melded together. The, the drama, yeah. the family drama, the relationships, the action, the comedy. I mean, the, the, the skinny dip with us by Cetacean Ops. I mean, yeah. it was it caught me off guard. I literally didn't expect the show. I didn't expect it at all. Amazing. What you're saying about Mariner, I think, is a really, really important point. And mm-hmm. I, I did feel that way in the first season. Because right. I felt like her portrayal was very inconsistent. And yeah. she did do things in the first season that were so egregiously bad. Right. Like, right. you know, when you're in a in the in the boardroom and you know, you've got admirals visiting and she just back talks everybody mm-hmm. and and does the the exaggerated cartoon yawn. Yeah. Right. Nobody would act that way. Mm-hmm. And exactly. you know, and I just thought that she was a little t- but this season. I feel like she's been a much better and much more consistent character. I feel like her development has made every bit of sense. I think that um, it, it's it's been so well written and so well constructed. Mm-hmm. I, I've really, really enjoyed the character growth this season, particularly hers. I loved Mariner last year. Aside from that yawning sequence, yeah, I, that, that was, really got on my nerves. Yeah, but that was terrible. I have noticed this this year. I'm surprised at how how infrequently she has saved the day. Yeah. And how often she's been having to sort of make realizations about herself yeah. over the good course point. of an episode. That happens almost weekly now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's some that's some good character development for yeah. a yeah. freaking animated show. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And Boimler's character development. I'm telling you, Boimler at you know, if we go back to the beginning of season one, and Boimler was just this sort of like he was a scatterbrained guy. He was like questioning everything. He doubted everything about himself. And wanted nothing but, but now he is like growing into his own confidence and his own abilities. And it's so cool to watch. Yes. Yeah. Did you think the Captain Freeman day, though, was a little bit back, too much of a callback to that kind of goofy butt kissing Boimler? Or is that still consistent no, with you? No, I, I feel like so? that was because I think for me, they had lost mm-hmm. a little bit of the butt kissing yeah. Boimler. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like that was just enough. 
I agree. Um, to pull it back to, oh I yeah, agree. he's still I, Boimler. I feel like okay. it was okay. it was telling you, remember how Boimler used to be when we started uh-huh. this show? Yep. And at and the, end the end of the episode, yep. he is he is you can see how much he's grown. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and Tommy's actually, like jumping around being like, this is me. This was me. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's still Boimler, but he's a Boimler right. who, I mean, he just about gave his life for the ship. Right. Yeah. Good point. That's a good point y'all made. Cause actually for both Boimler and Mariner, they very slightly irritated me with kind of the way they were acting. Cause I, what Mariner, I thought, even though I know she was mad cause her mom was leaving you don't tell uh, your, you don't tell commander's entire staff that they're leaving before the cap, the, the commander can tell them. So actually right. for both of those characters, you know, I was like, that's, that was beyond the pale because people are going to start fighting and all that. I but agree. I saw for both of them, I thought they were just a little bit too much of the old characters, but they did pull it together nicely at the end. I give them credit. They pulled it together. I was stunned that they did that. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So we got Sonia Gomez. How, how, <laughs> how did you like Captain Sonia Gomez? Um, I, I loved her, but I'm going to say I needed one, just one moment where she asked a replicator for a cup of coffee and then she thanks the replicator for giving her a cup of coffee. <laughs> That's, right. That's all I needed. Yeah. Now the, the one, the one callback that we got to this being the same Sonia Gomez that we had originally was when the girl tripped on the bridge and yes. she says, don't worry about it. I've done far worse in front of scarier captains. <laughs> yes. And that was so sweet. I love yeah. that moment, but I still needed her to thank an inanimate, piece of technology for doing its job <laughs> right right god i loved her so much she made such a big impact to me in the two episodes that she was in yeah at the end of season two of tng and i was like this is going to be one of the greatest recurring characters this is a you know breath of fresh air and blah 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 and then we never saw her again well well that's a good point alan because certain characters come in and they just resonate with you for some reason yeah what was it what was it about sonya that resonated with you so specifically well, she was she it was uh, her attitude was mm-hmm. so different. You know, mm-hmm. she, she was almost like the Tendi. Yeah. I was about to of, say that next generation, yeah. oh, you know, she point. was young and enthusiastic and wide eyed mm-hmm. and didn't take things for granted and thanked a replicator for giving her coffee <laughs> because it's polite. And I just adored her. And she was awkward and spilled and awkward. You know, hot yeah. chocolate. Yeah. Like that's something that could happen to Boimler is spilling hot chocolate on the captain and being mortified right. about it. You know, like she's right. a lower decker. And then yeah. now we find her 16 years later and she's the captain of an awesome starship. That's awesome. Let me say, you know how much I love ship porn. Mm-hmm. I love starships. I love the way that they're portrayed. And, and that's my one of my big gripes with Discovery is it never does good shots of the ships. That's true. And boy, did this episode deliver ship porn for me. It never occurred to me that you could cross an Excelsior class with a Sovereign class, but it, it works so well. Oh, it was yeah. so beautiful. And now it Mike was. McMahon confirmed on Twitter that this is a new class. It's the Obana class is what it's called. It's, which oh, okay. is named after Nolan Obana, who is the graphic artist and ship designer for Lower Decks. Oh, And so nice. they, they named the ship in his honor. Awesome. Or the class, Very nice. the class of ship. It's the right, USS right, Archimedes. Right. Uh, man, that's that's nice. I was going to mention that actually, the and and so I'm glad you you brought that up. Yeah, and it's, it's some folks, and including some CPS sources, have mistaken it for an Excelsior, but it's clearly yeah. not an Excelsior <laughs> class. It's but it, it's inspired by it though. It is inspired by it. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely modeled after that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A couple of angles, especially from the front, it almost looks like an Excelsior class mm-hmm. from the from the front when it's foreshortened. But oh, yeah, but you're right. From the side, you can definitely tell that it's not yeah. a, an Excelsior it's, class. Yeah, it's got the nacelles and the saucer, basically like the mm-hmm. sovereign class like the enterprise yeah. e 
Um, and then it's bigger than the Excelsior, but God, man, it's, it's a great looking ship. Oh man. It's so it really gorgeous. Is. Yeah. So gorgeous. Again, their attention to detail on the ships and everything was just amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Let's talk about detail on the ship when <laughs> you're going to strip away the entire outer hull. Oh, so that pretty. was bonkers. Yeah. Yes. It but was pretty it was, though. It was, it, was, cool. it was gorgeous. It was so well realized. I, I was surprised that every single hull plate has one of those mag locks. Like the, so was I. Yeah. <laughs> like in first yeah, contact. Here. Yeah. They, they designed like, really? a way for them to come off in space. Okay, sure. They did. Yeah. But who was it that designed one of them to only be accessible through the, 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 the dolphin tank? No, 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 no. no. It's because it got fused or hit or something. And oh, okay. And they, yeah, they couldn't right. get it off. Oh, okay. I missed yeah. that bit. Sorry. It was an emergency manual. It was an emergency manual clamp, which the right. dolphin with the dolphins. They look like beluga yeah. whales to me. Okay, they did yeah, like beluga, like, but we've always heard cetacean ops being dolphin. Yeah, but, but then he called so, but you know, then maybe right. they're a crossbreed, but they yeah. might and not be from he, Earth either. Yeah, he called them whales at one point. At one point, he did call them did whales, he? but yeah, they called them whales at one point. But what's funny was when uh, to your point about the clamp being down, they did on top of that when they were like, "Well, can't you go do it?" And they basically start cussing them out because they're like, well, they're not, <laughs> so not, funny. not flipper friendly. <laughs> I tell you, their their dialogue was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. It was His great. blowhole is broken. <laughs> Spray with water before he dries out. Yeah. yeah he just he just almost drowns. Spray more water on oh him. Oh my god, yeah. that was so funny. Yeah, yeah they, they knew can't... enough to get him out of the water and onto dry land <laughs> yeah. where there's air. But then they're right. making those jokes. Right. So you know. I always kind of envisioned cetacean ops and maybe there is some place like this, but I always expected it to be like a big, huge observation kind of window where you're looking into their environment, you know, like you're going into the Georgia aquarium and you go into the big room where the massive window is and you, you know, but this was good too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, on the on the on the old next generation schematics, the Rick yeah. Sternback ones, there's several mm-hmm. different areas of cetacean ops. So there's okay. like a little observation room and then there's like yeah. a core. I don't remember it all off the top of my head, but yeah. it could be a bigger complex. They always have more room to play with that. But even more excitingly, though, they they reference the rubber ducky room, the rubber ducky room. Yeah. Brock, like, you know what the rubber ducky room is all about? No. On the on the old master system display, like we have a big schematic of the ship on the show, and they would add little jokes in there, mm-hmm. like a hamster on a wheel or whatever. And there's a little rubber ducky on the Enterprise, and it made it into the, the next generation schematics as well. And they they referenced the lower ducky room that no one's allowed to go into. I was so shocked at that, that reference, was funny. like that was blown funny. away at that reference. Me yeah. too. Yeah, that caught me off guard too. Did you notice in Cetacean Ops there was a little yellow ball with a Starfleet uh, symbol on it sitting on the side of their pool? <laughs> no. No, I like didn't. The, yeah, I like the kind <laughs> dolphins and whales play with. Yeah, you can see this little yellow ball just sitting on the side, so it must be their playtime ball. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, that's oh, wonderful. Speaking of things that people notice, when um, at the beginning when Boimler's like cutting up that piece of paper to do yep. something, mm-hmm. did you notice the paper ch- in every single shot changed? Like no, what he had cut. Yeah. Either. So the first time he cut the one cut and yes. then it went back to a plain piece of paper. And then he had the, then it had the cut again. And he was like cutting out some more and he did one cut da- across and then one cut down. And the next time he only had the one cut again. And then it went back to um, something else. And I don't know, it changed like four or five times. And I was just staring at this piece of paper. This like, this is the second time we watch it. <laughs> you know um, what? I was <laughs> focused on the characters and the story. <laughs> Okay, it was the second time I watched it though, and I was just staring at it. Oh, I, okay. I noticed the one change, and I was like, "But didn't he just cut 
and then yeah. I kept seeing it change. Well, so. thank you for that play by play. I did. I did. I noticed that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. There were a lot of really cool things in here too. Little little throwbacks that I thought, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't excuse me, it wasn't really full of a lot of callbacks. But did you mm-hmm. notice that uh, Billups um, when he cursed, he said "dragon's blood"? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes he did. <laughs> I love that. Me too. Uh, um, I, okay. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say I was intrigued by uh, Rutherford's memory. Yeah, I was just gonna say the same thing. Yes. I think I think it's important to bring up this Rutherford thing because yes. for yes. a lot of reasons. Well, it's laying groundwork for a future story. Oh my gosh! And how and much you know, of that is going to be related to what just happened? Two Maybe. shadowy figures, literally yeah. shadowy figures. We have been oh. asking for two seasons now why he has an implant. Mm-hmm. What's the right. implant about? You know, right. why have they not said anything? And we never asked it suspiciously. Right. It was just mm-hmm. one of those curiosity kind of things. Yeah. So the insertion of that little bit, that little memory that floated up for him, I was like, holy cow. Holy cow. He he thinks it was elective. Right. You know? Yeah. Good point. But yeah, even if it even if he always thought it was elective, why would why did he elect it? We I don't we don't even know that. No, we well, because but, yeah. apparently, like on that, in that back to that first episode, apparently the what's her face, um, with the uh, that's always in the, the ensign chair in the front of the captain Barnes. On the, yes, when he's on the day with Barnes, he's like, my dad was a part um cyborg, cyborg. Yeah. So like, mm. it's apparently it's a thing to do. So it's not like super yeah. strange. Okay. But, but I mean, technically, Jordy is part cyborg. He's got the right. yeah. cybernetic right. implants. Yeah. Right. But, but we don't know if they never said if he had an accident or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Right. They never said why either. And right. now maybe he doesn't either. I don't know. You're, you're yeah. right. No, I um, feel like they did explain it one time because someone I, asked him some alien. I have a vague recollection of this. Uh, Time to go back and watch every episode of Lower Decks <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> yeah, but whatever he explained, if he explained it, then he may not have been true even because there's yeah, something else right. going on. Right. No, yeah. I meant Jordy, not Rutherford. Oh, okay. oh, 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 yeah, Jordy. I was I like, know, why yeah. did yeah, you? We know why Jordy has a yeah. Pfizer. Yeah. Okay. Jordy was Jordy was born blind. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then of course when they, when you see two shadowy figures and you watch Star Trek, your first thought is Section Thirty One, possibly. Yep. I don't know if they'd be that Could obvious. Be. And then at the end, when the captain was dragged away, then I'm sitting there going, hey, those two guys who arrested her, did their voices sound like the shadowy figures? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they might have been. You might be right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was the biggest shock of the whole show to me. The destruction of the planet. So, right. I have a theory. I have a theory. Okay. Okay. Great. Lay it on us. So um, when the Klingon left to go tell the council, what happened and that, hey, this Klingon guy was behind all this pack led stuff. The council's like, we can't let the Federation find out about this because then they'll be mad at us and then we'll have a whole war. And well, yes, war is fun. We don't want to get a war with the Federation right now. We just did that. We're kind of over it right now. So they decided to frame instead the um, captain of the Federation ship that was also there because they knew that she had been on the pack led planet at, at one point and decided to frame her. So it was a Klingon 631. Uh, collusion that's that's my theory could be mm. could be mm. yeah that's a possibility yeah. or, or maybe it's maybe it's sphere builders what, what the hell <laughs> sphere builders that's enterprise. A, that's an enterprise season three thing <laughs> okay yeah that's 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 that whole that's that goofy temporal cold war thing from enterprise yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. better left un- unsaid undiscussed <laughs> then, then why did you say it <laughs> don't get alan started <laughs> I know, right? Just for the laughs. 
Yeah, but I got to tell you that literally, that was literally probably um, the the thing about the packet planet blowing up and her getting arrested was I was literally shocked. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't absolutely. Come close to seeing. I was like, what? What? Wow. What's going on now? Yeah. Wait, wait this is the end. Yeah. Yes. Wow. It was a thrill though to see that to be continued in the next absolutely. generation. Finally. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it didn't have the impact that Best of Both Worlds had, no. but it was no. still something you didn't expect. Yeah. And and you know it was still a, you you have no idea where this is going next season. It very yes. much brought me back to every single '90s sci-fi show, series. Yeah, yeah. That ended and in for, to be continued. Yes, and and speaking of action again, I keep I'm always amazed. This is a less than a half hour show. Effectively, Mariner almost died, and the right. lady she thought was her nemesis. Her nemesis saved her. Yeah, I mean, Jennifer. What an exciting yeah, Jennifer. scene. Yes, but you know uh, what? They've amazing? been developing mm-hmm. Jennifer over the course of the season and. I thought about yeah, that watching yeah. the show that she's such a minor character to be getting mm-hmm. character development, it, it, but it reminds me of Deep Space Nine in that way because Deep Space Nine would flesh out everybody yeah. who walked by the camera would would, <laughs> would become a fully realized character. Exactly <laughs> right. Exactly. So I love that they're building up this whole community of characters on the ship. Yeah, Absolutely. That was such a thrilling scene when the when the captain when Captain Gomez I, I did laugh and I wrote down Captain Gomez said if you move to the back of the ship maybe you'll survive uh, no <laughs> but, <laughs> but the scene was Alan we were talking about this before you came on the scene was so amazing when the ship entered atmosphere you saw the shield come up and yeah. you saw the nacelle break off and I'm sitting there going these guys are animating the you know what out of this show oh, yeah. right it's just like the season finale last year where yes. it felt weighty it felt like it had consequences it felt like it, it that the stuff that was happening on screen mattered mm-hmm. yeah and it, it was and it was putting the characters in actual danger in, yeah. in you know and I, I i thought it was really exciting and and even somebody like ransom who sometimes played for laughs the guy is actually he's he's piling the ship manually and then all yeah. of a sudden you realize these people are really good and I, one thing I thought was cool is a mariner almost died. Was it Jennifer you said her name? Jennifer. What was cool when Jennifer saved her, if you look, only one of Jennifer's mag boots was attached to the ship. It was yeah, that oh yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, wow. I reread right. that scene like five times. The other so. cute thing is that her space helmet has room for her antenna. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That is adorable. That looked It looked That's like little devil point. horns coming out because so, they had the little ridges on it. So it looked like little devil horns, like the yeah, ones right. you get at the Renfest. It made me think of the, that space helmet Harry Mudd had. Yes, it did. That's exactly what I thought, too. Um, I want to go back to Rutherford really quickly, though. Okay. And the thing that, first of all, the the whole gag of having error messages pop up in his visor was, that was great. really cute. And I thought mm-hmm. it was really well done. But then to find out that that's happening because he's overstuffed his memory because With he's so afraid copies. of losing, losing his memories of Tendi was yes. so sweet. I thought so, too. Oh, my gosh. That was so great. He needs an external hard drive. Absolutely. Why isn't Absolutely. he like um, downloading all the like, stuff into? Is there no else? cloud on the? I mean, next? right. <laughs> I mean, plug into a, a external. Yeah. Something? That's a good but idea. no, I thought that I, I think you're, I thought that was very sweet, and Me I just love their friendship. I love that they both had a big exclamation of love at the end. That they both love the ship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You love the ship. I love the ship, but I have to say it. But it but was like I'm, a romantic comedy moment. But instead of each other, it was the ship. <laughs> but I also, I also love that uh, there was sort of that breakthrough moment, not only with Mariner and her mother, but Mariner mm-hmm. and Jennifer. Yeah, you know, yes. I, I, I mean, we're seeing so much growth in all of these characters, but especially Mariner, and I, I think it's so neat. 
Oh, yeah. And and everybody else at Mariner, because you guys were saying earlier was about how Mariner is not always the one who's like the true leader in saving the ship. Yeah. Is when Mariner was basically bellying about her mom, they, they basically told her. And I like the fact they're taking it to her. And I'm like, look, shut up. You know that you love your mom and blah, blah, blah. So they're not putting up with her BS all the time. Either, exactly. I think they're like, good. no, Bonner get girl. out of here. Boimler can save the ship. Yes, <laughs> exactly. She's exactly. like, OK, bye, guys. Sorry. <laughs> she was she in the first season. She was sort of the ringleader of the yeah. newbies. You know, right. she is the experienced lower deck because she's been around and doesn't want to advance. And all these she's kind of gathered this, you know, this little group of newbies around her so that, you know, she kind of is like their captain. Mm-hmm. Now they're all equals. Yeah. And we've been seeing that throughout this whole season. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and, I, and I really love bridge. that dynamic. Yeah, yeah, and speaking not necessarily speaking of the equals, bridge. Well, she's well, science. She's yeah. in training to for science. Yeah. 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 Like Jazia Dax? Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she goes, who, like who, who is that? Like Spock. And then she hugs Man. her. And I love it when she hugged the doctor and the doctor at first. She's like, what? And then she goes, okay. I can, and then this she I starts purring. Yes. <laughs> that was great. I, I love that because they... The character, the, the Star Trek characters we know are all so famous that everyone knows everything about them on this show. So I just yes. love that she just never heard of Jadzia Dax. I know. Like, no, like Spock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old school. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. What an episode. Yeah. Something else you guys are saying, all the little things they do. I, I'm sorry, I forget the name. The dude who read the squad that Bonnie was going to join, where they were basically saying they were too good to do any work. Mm. The, the, uh, he, they showed him in the, the background. Yeah, the red shirts. They showed him more than once. And did you notice mm. when the captain called all hands to take off to, to uh, work on the ship that Jet was in counseling? Yeah. They showed him real quick. Yeah. 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 I thought yeah. that was interesting. I, I love that they had to cancel the ballroom dancing competition. <laughs> yes. That was great. Yeah. A, a next generation would definitely have definitely. a ballroom dancing yeah. competition you know they going did. on. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> she like throws down her shoes and storms out. <laughs> I, I love that. And then at the end, the Cerritos crew gets their first first contact. Yeah, yeah. they get to go down, man, instead of, instead of the other crew. Yeah, and, and get drunk. And get <laughs> yeah. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good too. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll say my la- one last thing I thought about at the end. You know, when you have a show like this, any kind of long running series, the biggest problems you always have is your character staying on one ship because you know in real life it doesn't happen you're like Riker would never have in real life military Riker would not have been on a ship for seven years as a first officer Mm -hmm. so I was kind of like well you know they got to do the thing where Captain Freeman gets offered a ship but then she has to turn it down I'm kind of like well you know you got to do it but in real life she really she really wouldn't turn down a command you really Mm -hmm. you really don't do that but man they they I forgot about that real quickly because they arrested her yeah I know (laughs) wow (laughs) but I mean like speaking to Riker he was on like the the prime ship that was like really going out and doing and if you got a promotion heck he could have been on a california class right ship and not been yeah no Riker would not have been much. on a california class uh, no but no but she's yeah. saying he wouldn't be on the flagship that's yeah. true that's true so yeah any ship would have seemed like a california class yes yeah <laughs> realistically though in the dominion war every one of those senior officers would have been commanding a ship somewhere yes. absolutely. They, absolutely they would not have had you know 100 yeah. years worth of experience all together on the bridge of the enterprise 100 <laughs> percent true yeah yeah and so but so i was just and like i remember when they first introduced Riker, they said choice said the, the morning anything he wanted to command the ship but you're right but then he's like well no i'm, I'm kind of liking it here so i was thinking and you, you kind of have to do it. it's kind of like in the original series they always said spock was the best first officer in the fleet and after a while it's like well if he's that good he'd be a captain you know it's it just is what uh-huh. it is 
So I was thinking you have to kind of do that to show how good people are, but then they have to stay. And then I forgot about that real quickly because they arrested her. And then she said something like, um, I hope the, at least the crew, I hope the crew doesn't see me or something like that. Right. Cause they were gathered yeah. outside. <laughs> that was really dramatic because they literally yeah. gasped. Yeah, yeah, they're all lined up like a redemption and they're all yeah. like lining <laughs> the corridors. I, I do right. love, though, that you know, we know we've always known that Mariner prefers to stay on the lower decks and she doesn't right. want to get promoted. She likes where she's at. And yep. I think it's kind of mm-hmm. cute that her mom wants to stay on the lower decks ship of the fleet rather than getting promoted. You know, mm. if her mom is making the decision to stay on a California class ship because right. she, that's her family and then she, and she likes it and she can make a difference there. Big ship in a little pond. I mean, yeah. big, big fish in a little pond. Yeah, there were beluga whales. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, now I'm really thinking about because Ransom was basically like we remember when when, um, when Mariner spilled the beans, Ransom was mad and said, why do not you tell me? Because I've always agreed with you. Aren't you going to take me with you? But then that Ransom goes, of course, I should be the captain. Isn't it obvious? And they said, no, <laughs> somebody else. So I'll be very interested to see what the, the crew dynamics will be like next year. Yeah. Who will be the yeah. captain? Oh, yeah. You know, oh, Ransom yeah. totally. back Ronnie Cox. Oh, yes. gosh. Yes. <laughs> no, what if we get what if we get uh, Captain Shelby? That would be great. Oh, too. Yeah. Be happy with that. I would love that. I could give Paris a command. That's true. That would true. be a bump. Yeah. very large bump. But, you know, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'd be down. Absolutely. I don't know that, uh, that Robin, um, he has that time, but. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't take long to record a few episodes of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. you can do it yeah. in an afternoon. As long as it's not per what Mariner said, a, a weirdo with a riding crop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't <laughs> want Captain Styles. Yeah, that was a great callback too. Yeah, yeah. No, this was it was a great episode. It was so far away from what I thought they were setting up for. Oh, yeah. Really, but then we still did get an advancement of that pack led plot, and we got. I, I'm just always impressed with how well they write the characters and how much time they put into writing these characters. And I think that this is going to be a show like like when you watch all the way through DS9. And then you want to start over again because to mm-hmm. see how they were at the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that lower decks may be that way as well. Where I they'll, agree. They'll be all be so different by the end that it'll be, oh, I want to go back and watch when, when Mariner was annoying. <laughs> yeah. I, I 100% expected them to wrap up the pack led storyline. Yeah. In this episode and start a new whatever they're going to do next season. But yeah, this is a, this is a bigger arc than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. And it's, and I- going to spill over into next season, which I think is really exciting. Yeah. And I right. thought that Talen and that Klingon guy were going to come back too. That was my expectation. Well, they, they certainly will. They set that up last week. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, but I thought they'd be back this week. Definitely but, coming back. but yeah, they've she, got big plans for season three. I've got high expectations. Oh yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm so, so we have to wait a whole year. I know. I'm so excited for it. What are we, well, we going to watch in the meantime? <laughs> I mean, if only there was more Star Trek to Five watch. Five other Star Trek shows. <laughs> Well, that means the Titan's going to be coming back at some point because there's oh, a yeah. bigger battle coming. No doubt oh, about yeah. that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And Boimler's got to meet his clone again at some point in time or his <laughs> transporter clone. Yep. All right. Well, did anyone have any final thoughts about that before we move on? Better than expected. It yeah. gets better every show. Absolutely. Two weeks from now, we get a whole new animated show. That's very yes. true. But Buddy. next week, uh, we're going to have kind of a special episode. Yeah. Um, so if anyone who's been listening to our podcast, you may know in our 20th episode, we celebrated by sort of rapid reviewing the 20th episode of every Star Trek series that made it to that far. Now, next week, we don't have a new episode to watch. So it's our 39th episode. So we decided to celebrate our 40th episode a week early before we get into the new shows again by reviewing the the 40th episode of every Star Trek series. So that 
it's going to be a lot of fun. I have a lot of Star Trek to watch before next Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And there there are fewer 40th episodes than there are 20th episodes. So we can spend a little more a little more time on each one of them in our discussion. A little bit more. There's only one more episode. What? Right, exactly. <laughs> Guess what? I've already done it. I've already watched them. <laughs> Keep ready to roll. Yeah. Uh-huh. I started two weeks ago because I knew I'd wait till the last minute. Yeah, I can't. I can't do that. I can't. I can't take notes while I watch a TV show. And Veronica and will have I, forgotten about it if she watches it too soon. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> exactly. And, but uh, then, I'll watch them all like the two days before we record. Yeah. Yeah. But then also another thing coming up is um, October 27th, which is mm-hmm. a Wednesday night. We are doing our second ever live episode where yep. we are going to be talking about uh, your recommended Star Trek Halloween viewing. Yeah. We're going to be talking about our favorite scary Halloween themed episodes and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. We were talking a little bit about this off mic. I think we should have a list and then get to as many of them as we can yeah. uh, in an hour. And then the rest we can just say for next year. Yeah. Uh, rather than ha- feeling we have to wrap and fire through all of them, especially okay. because this is going to be interactive. Yeah. Right. So everybody watching, because this is going to be video on Facebook or on YouTube. Yep. Um, can comment and throw us ideas and questions and join in the conversation. And you can Absolutely. see our awesome Halloween costumes. That's true. Oh, that's right. I gotta, I gotta figure out what I'm gonna be this year. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta work on that. I have an idea. Oh good. I yeah. have five million ideas <laughs> and five million costumes are already here. That's Guys, true. I may get one of my wife's hair thingamajiggies and put it on my eyes to be Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's too bad you didn't make it to the dealer's room because, man, they had some awesome visors there. Yeah, they did. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we may have gotten one of them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else we wanted to announce? Oh, we do. We do. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm glad you answered your own yeah. question. So recently we recorded a segment for a, a podcast called Star Pod Trek. Right. And as we're recording this, that came out yesterday. So it's uh, available right. now if you search for the Star Pod Trek podcast. Um, and it's a, a, a podcast where they go through all of the Star Trek references that were in Starlog Magazine. So they have a, a separate podcast where they discuss Starlog Magazine. And then they have the Star Pod Trek where they discuss all the Star Trek related content from Starlog Magazine. Our contribution was for uh, issue number 22. Uh, from 1979 and we were discussing an, a column by david gerald but that came out just yesterday so check out the star pod trek podcast and and you can find a little segment from us on there and i have just recorded and am about to send to them a segment for the star pod log yeah. on a doctor who article from 1979 Ooh, nice. cool. yes so that will be coming out very soon too wow awesome yeah and so we want to thank naren kavura for inviting us to do that and um you know, check it out. They have a they have a fun show and uh, and a good group. Yeah, with lots Fine. of different co- uh, contributors. Yeah, we look forward to doing some more crossovers and sharing with them as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Alan, where can people find more of you on the internet? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, you can find me at cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com, and you can find me uh, the Hulanta groups you can find hulanta.com and you can find the hulanta group and page on facebook and my sunday evening music show on youtube uh which is called modern musicology awesome and how about you keith you can find me on instagram and all over facebook primarily with the eso network facebook groups doctor who group not so much because i'm not a big who uh aficionado but all Whovian. the other ones i'm there Whovian. Whovian. thank you well, you're welcome I, 
Boy, did I just out myself. <laughs> it's never too late, Keith. You, you proved your own point. So. Yeah. And how about us, Veronica? BuiltNerdy.com. Yep. Or um, you can see us live October the 23rd. Yep. Uh, that's a Saturday at 10 p.m. at the Puckin' Puppet Show. It's the Halloween Puckin' Puppet Show at the Village Theater in Atlanta. So check out the Village Theater in Atlanta or search for the Halloween Puckin' Puppet Puppet Show on Facebook. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> you did that backwards. Yeah, I yeah. think... I think you need that to bleep one, that. That one you need to cut. <laughs> I knew it would trip you up eventually. Uh, eventually. Uh, I'll say it enough times, it'll get me. Um, but yeah, Veronica and I are doing a, a piece for that, and we'll be appearing live on stage uh, doing uh, something. Huh? Something. Yes, right. Something. <laughs> All right. Do you have a closing for us, Veronica? Did I miss Captain Freeman Day? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I thought you wouldn't be prepared. Yeah. I wasn't until two seconds ago. <laughs> In fact, I was blanking on the captain's name. <laughs> Good job. Wow. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.